Hi, I'm Cameron, and I don't just read comics, I love them. On today's episode of Cameron Reads Comics, we are going into our third installment surrounding the Avengers video game release. After talking through Avengers Disassembled and reviewing the video game with my good friend Jesse Watson, it only made sense to talk about the next chapter in Brian Michael Bendis' Avengers run, House of M. I'd personally argue that this is one of the best Marvel events of all time. I couldn't keep myself from recommending this to Jesse, so here we are. Also, for my MCU fans eagerly awaiting the release of WandaVision, I think that you're going to see some major influences from this work as well as some other books that we'll talk about in the pod. As always, here is your spoiler warning for House of M. You have been warned. And remember to follow Camera Reads Comics on Instagram to stay in the loop and maybe leave us a five-star rating and review on iTunes. Okay, so here is your summary for House of M. The story begins with the birth of two children, the twins of Wanda Maximoff, the Scarlet Witch, and the Vision, her husband. Wanda is surrounded by her loved ones, including Dr. Stephen Strange, Magneto, Cyclops, Pietro Maximoff, Quicksilver, and others. Suddenly, a familiar wheelchair-bound silhouette enters the scene. It's Professor X, Charles Xavier, there to remind Wanda that she doesn't have any children and that they are the only two people in the room. Charles reminds Wanda that she can't have children. She never could. Wanda pleads with Charles to let her keep her babies. Charles tells her to fix the world, put it back to normal. She can't be toying with reality like this. Charles brutally reminds her that her children never existed. Wanda is reminded that in the wreckage of her warping reality, she killed multiple Avengers, including Hawkeye and the Vision. That was six months ago. Since then, Wanda has been on the ravaged island of Genosha, the previous home of the X-Men, under the watchful eye of Magneto, her father. He blames himself for everything that happened surrounding the Avengers' disassembled storyline. Now is probably a good time to remind you guys that we have an episode summarizing and talking about Avengers Disassembled just two weeks ago. So, if you don't know what we're talking about, maybe you want to go check that out. Xavier holds a meeting at the new Stark Tower, which is the home of the new Avengers team. Arriving at the meeting are the Avengers and the X-Men. Charles has brought everyone together to decide the fate of Wanda Maximoff. What are they to do? Put her down like a dog? The room is at a standstill. Some agree, and some don't. Wolverine thinks that she's too much of a liability, and Captain America believes that there's always another way. Pietro talks about the situation with Magneto, his father. They are going to kill her. Magneto feels that they may be right. Magneto's at a crossroads, and he doesn't know what to do. He feels shame for failing his children, but Wanda is so dangerous. He doesn't have the answer. The Avengers and the X-Men go to Genosha to find Wanda. As they draw nearer to her, they are surprised to find a white light that only grows greater. Suddenly, Peter Parker wakes up in a bed to the sound of crying children. The woman lying next to him, his wife, isn't Mary Jane Watson, it's Gwen Stacy. In Hartford, Connecticut, Scott Summers makes breakfast with his wife, Emma Frost. Wonder Man is a celebrity dating the most popular superhero in America, Carol Danvers' Ms. Marvel, and... These aren't the only changes in this odd new world. The Fantastic Four had died on their space exploration mission. Dr. Stephen Strange is a psychiatrist counseling the Sentry. Sam Wilson isn't the Falcon, he's a detective. Luke Cage is now the kingpin of Hell's Kitchen, and he just killed Wilson Fisk. Scott Summers and Emma Frost are married. Kitty Pride is a teacher in Cincinnati, Ohio. Colossus works back on his family's farm in Russia. One of the most important changes in this brave new world is that Logan is now the head of S.H.I.E.L.D. Wolverine wakes up as if he's had a bad dream. As his memories come flooding back to him, he jumps off the helicarrier he's currently on and gets to Winchester as fast as he can to the home of Charles Xavier. Except, in this world, Charles Xavier doesn't own the home. The same family has lived there for the past 15 years. As Logan heads back to New York City, he finds Stark Tower. He gets caught with his S.H.I.E.L.D. team, and a fight erupts between him, Jessica Drew, Nightcrawler, Toad, Rogue, and Mystique. He's able to evade capture as he hops onto a motorcycle to get out of their sight 
but suddenly Logan rides directly into Cloak and rides through him to the home of Luke Cage and a rebellion group. The next person to enter the building was the recently deceased Hawkeye. He's alive? Hawkeye tries to get Logan to remove the tracker in the back of his neck that S.H.I.E.L.D. had placed there. And when Logan doesn't do it as quickly as requested, Hawkeye shoots him! Now, this would be the end of our hero, but come on, it's Wolverine. He has a healing factor. He wakes up and he asks if they removed the tracker for him. They didn't, and now they're out of time. Some new sentinels have broken into their bunker, but this time they're not hunting mutants. They are hunting sapiens. In a destructive battle, Cloak takes the team to what was once Wilson Fisk's office in Uptown. As they regroup, Logan meets a young girl named, named Layla. She says that she woke up yesterday and the world is wrong. Logan knows the feeling. He realizes that today he woke up remembering everything about his past. Every single moment of his entire life he can recall. And that's all he's ever wanted. Then he realizes he needs to find the others. The crew locates Scott Summers' residence to catch Scott's wife, Emma Frost, by surprise. As Emma reads Layla's mind, it all becomes clear to her. Upon the realization, she lets out a cry of agony. She wishes Logan was kidding, but he's not. When Scott arrives at the apartment, he's caught off guard by everyone there. Emma and Layla team up to show Scott his actual reality. Upon this knowledge, he throws up. Scott helps the team devise a plan where they can find everyone that was on the island and show them their true reality, not this fake one. First up is Peter Parker. He's a celebrity in New York. He's married to Gwen Stacy with a child and walking up through the street with his Uncle Ben and Aunt May. When he stumbles upon the Avengers and the X-Men, his memories flood back to him. He yells at them to stop it. When Gwen goes up to see what's wrong, he flashes to her death at the hands of Green Goblin. Uncle Ben asks what's wrong, and then he's reminded of Uncle Ben's demise. Peter runs up a building and uncontrollably sobs. Wolverine goes up to talk to him, and as he talks to Peter, he lets him know that they are going to resolve this, and everyone has something on the line as they go up against Scarlet Witch. They continue rounding up heroes. Kitty Pride, Stephen Strange, Carol Danvers, Tony Stark, Matt Murdock, Jennifer Walters, etc. The only person they leave alone is Steve Rogers. In this reality, he's grown to an old age, and he can't be much help to them. As they regroup to talk about the potential location of Charles Xavier, they're interrupted by the Red Guard, a.k.a. Logan's S.H.I.E.L.D. team that he was leading. To prevent the attack from furthering, Emma and Layla reveal to everyone involved what happened. In all of this madness, Hawkeye disappears. They decide that they need to go to Magneto. He's the only one who could have orchestrated this kind of plan, and he'll know exactly where Charles is. The story cuts to Magneto looking upon what appears to be a, a memorial to Charles Xavier. It reads, he died so Genosha could live. As the X-Men and the Avengers head to Genosha, Scott gives the groups a trademark inspirational speech. This one is different, though. He says that he's previously prided himself on his restraint, the ability to take the moral high ground, but today, if they lose... They lose everything. Whatever boundaries they've previously placed in past battles, there's no place for any of that today. They can't lose. They have to win. No restraint. As they enter the house of Magnus on Genosha, an all-out battle erupts. It's crazy. One team is on the battleground, but Layla, Emma Frost, and Cloak all look for Xavier. They find his memorial, but as they think hope is lost, Cloak reveals that he's not there. He's not buried. It's not over yet. During the battle, it's revealed that Wanda isn't there. Doctor Strange enters his astral form and heads toward a tower revealing her location. Wanda is playing with her twins. As Doctor Strange calmly probes Wanda about her creation, he faces her twins getting more aggravated at his presence. Strange asks Wanda if this is what her father wanted. Is this the plan he had for her? Wanda lets Strange know that it's more complicated than that. The story flashes back to Pietro pleading with his father. The Avengers and the X-Men want to kill Wanda. What are they supposed to do? Magneto tells Pietro that they may be right. Pietro yells at his father. They are supposed to protect her. 
Magneto stands sternly and finally asks his son, what would he have him do? Then he walks away, and Pietro sobs on the ground. Wanda comforts her brother. She can hear Xavier checking in on her. Her and Pietro admit to loving their time on the Avengers. Wanda is ashamed in how it ended like it did. She wishes that she could take it all back. Pietro tells her that she can. She can take it back and make everyone happy. She could use Xavier's powers and hers together to give everyone everything that they've ever wanted. Wanda, he reasons. Why would you be given this power if not for this reason? It might be that this is what you're supposed to do. If she doesn't do it, they're going to kill her. It is then that Doctor Strange is met with the shocking and awful realization that it wasn't Magneto. Strange asks Wanda where Xavier is, and she can't answer. She suddenly falls to the floor, only to reveal an arrow in her back. Hawkeye attempted to assassinate her. Wanda can't be destroyed by a man that she herself brought back to life. Hawkeye begs to know why she killed him, and when he tells her that she doesn't know what she's done, her son yells at him to shut up. Simultaneously, Hawkeye's body disintegrates in front of them. Wanda says it was an accident. She can't control it anymore. During her battle below them, Pietro has gone crazy. In order to gain control of the circumstances, Magneto halts the onslaught and declares Pietro tell him what he's done in his name. He's destroyed everyone and everything. And he used Magneto's name to do it. What right did he have? Scarlet Witch sees her brother and father fighting with one another, and she desperately tries to stop the brawl. Magneto, in his ferocity, nearly kills his son. Wanda revived Pietro, and she tells her father, he only wanted you to be happy. In a beautiful and sorrowful explanation, Wanda tells Magneto that Pietro was right. You ruined us before we even had a chance. As her heart breaks reflecting on the childhood she was given, she realizes that the problem is mutants. So, one of the most powerful mutants rewrites reality, uttering the phrase, No more mutants. There's an insane energy blast, and once again, the world flashes white. Layla, the young mutant, wakes up in her bed. She's going to be late for school. Peter Parker wakes up with a headache next to Mary Jane Watson in Avengers Tower. And the Avengers gather in their meeting space to talk about what they woke up from and to. First, they were fighting in Genosha, and then they all woke up in their beds. But the worst part is that some people don't remember what happened. Jessica Drew, the Sentry, Tony Stark, and others, no idea what happened. In his frustration, the one who re-experienced some of the most pain was Peter Parker, and he breaks a table. How can everything that he went through be so inconsequential? How can everything be back to normal? As he wails on this table, he starts crying, and Doctor Strange lets everyone know it's not all back to normal. Emma Frost wakes up at the home of the X-Men, Xavier's school for gifted youngsters. She wakes to screaming. Wanda had said no more mutants, and the students at the school start losing their powers. They start searching for the others. Some mutants seem to have lost their powers, but others seem to be okay. As Emma checks out Cerebro to look for other mutants, there's no sign. The X-Men can't find Xavier, and they can't find Wanda. Peter asks Doctor Strange to remove the memories from his head and lashes out at Strange for being unable to do so. Before they can resolve the issue, there's an alert at the mansion. When they arrive, they find the costume of Hawkeye mounted up against the wall with arrows. The book cuts to the wreckage of Genosha and to Magneto. He wanders the streets trying to bend a fork using his powers, and when the X-Men appear, they ask him where his daughter is and if he's lost his powers. Magneto doesn't know. He's run out of reasons to live. He's lost his children. He doesn't know where they are. And as the story checks in with Wanda, we find her hiding somewhere else, creating a new life for herself. All while some potential energy of all mutants on Earth has been placed somewhere else and nobody knows where.
back. We are back. We are back with another fabulous episode of, uh, of Cameron Reads Comics. Hi, Jesse. Hey, buddy boy. What a glorious day today is. Isn't it? We didn't even plan for a recording session, and here we are. Here we sit. You, you guys. You and I. You guys are so lucky to be able to hear from me and Jesse three weeks in a row. You're welcome in advance. <laughs> That's a little arrogant, but you know, I'm glad to be able to do this, and I'm glad Jesse's doing it with me. Hey, I'm glad to be here, buddy. Look at look at that. I'm glad to be here. I'm so happy that I'm able to read all these comic books. These glorious comics. Yeah, man. Cameron gave me his uh password to his treasure trove. He I said, did. here's the keys to the safe, buddy. And I said, oh, no, I don't want to break anything. And in return, Jesse gave me his Amazon Prime, which I've been using to watch the boys. Or, yeah, his Amazon Prime. So it's, it is delightful. And actually, we are approaching now, I think, by the time this is airing, the season finale for season two has already been aired. I got to catch up. Honestly, if you guys needed a plug uh, for Avengers Disassembled, I plugged... Uh, Zarface, which also go listen to Zarface again, but everyone should be watching The Boys. Yeah, I haven't. I mean, I started it. You, I just you watch season one though. Yeah, you know, binge season two. You're great. I will. You are not doing anything. Don't wrong. you tell me what to do. I'm like, watch it if you feel like it. <laughs> so that's the plug this week. Go watch boy The Boys. Okay, it is really good. But we're not talking about The Boys today. We nope. are talking about House of M. Oh, you know what I meant to do, but I didn't. I was going to rewatch the WandaVision trailer to see if it tied into this. If you want to, we can pause right now and watch no, it. No, it's okay. You'll. I've only seen it once. Okay. I missed everything, including the cradles. Oh, yeah, no. So this is, uh, we talked about it a little bit at the Avengers Disassembled episode, I think, or if not, just in, in, impersonally. Um, so I guess my first question, House of M... Jesse, what were your initial thoughts? What did you think? Uh, I quite enjoyed it. Uh, initial thoughts are kind of like, you know, they're like you get into it and, you know, it's Wanda. Kind of where we left off from Disassembled. Mm-hmm. Abs- absolutely. I think I think when I looked at like kind of publishing history, I think that this like the first episode of House or first episode, first book of House of M came out either at the beginning of New Avengers or like. This book kind of really starts off with the ramifications of Avengers Disassembled and then is like at comes to head at the fruition of like the new Avengers run. So that's why the Avengers team that it's showing is like Wolverine, Spider-Man, Captain Marvel. uh, It's not your standard like Captain America, Iron Man, like Thor team on it. Yeah, exactly. That's the new Avengers all over. So are you to assume that Magneto takes her from the end of disassembled mm-hmm. and this is where he he brings her to charles he brings her to genosha yeah and her and, and charles is like well because yeah at the end of disassembled uh magneto takes his daughter and um goes to genosha which was once a populated mutant island that you know they made a utopia which you'll see more of it's Honestly, lately in the comics, they've been reusing Krakoa, which is, I think, the more appropriate mutant island. You know what Krakoa is. Krakoa is where, like, giant-sized X-Men, Wolverine joins the X-Men, Storm joins the X-Men, like, that single issue. Oh, yes. That's the island they go to. I am familiar. Isn't it the island has a bunch of, like, messed up things on it, though? Yeah, but but they kind of re... I wrote a paper on this. But they like re-signify. They change the meaning of that island to mutant kind, and they kind of make it their own. It's gotcha. awesome. Yeah. So also go read House of X. But um, with with this with with where the story is now, uh, Magneto took Scarlet Witch to Genosha, and that's where it's like an abandoned island that was once home for all the mutants. And um, Wanda is there kind of trying to get healed, or they don't know what they're going to do with her. Yeah, she's far from healed. Yeah, she's, she's... I mean, it opens up, and she's, like, having the babies again. Yeah, first first panels of this book is, like, childbirth and, like, sequence. And how did you feel about that splash page or, like, the audience who attended her, uh, the birth of her twins? I can see... Okay, I can't really... It's Doctor Strange is there. Electra's there, right? which is weird. Is, yeah, right. It's super weird. And then is that 
supposed to be Cyclops? Yes. He just looks so big. He's and Vision, obviously, because they are Vision's babies, apparently. I don't know. He's, uh, he, you know, I don't know how robot wieners work, but I guess they can give you babies. And they refer to that in Avengers Disassemble. But why is Electra there? I, I, I really don't know. I think maybe they're friends. There has to be some kind of connection. I don't know what it is, but she's there. It's It, it was super cool. And then the next page is, you know, Charles like, hey, I told you. We talked about this. Mm-hmm. This ain't real. But I feel like Charles comes in in a very, like, aggressive and, like, Wanda. Like, almost like he lots his patience with her. He tells her to stop. He comes in to stop now. Like, he's not having it. And then she loses it. And it's freaky. Because, like, does she, like, just zap the babies and everything? Oof. Yeah. And then, you know, you kind of... I love Sam Mendes. I'm referencing Revolutionary Road, but it's like you see a shell of a hollow shell of Wanda and like what she was. Like she is, she is broken, you know. So you're comparing her to Kate Winslet. Oh, in Revolutionary Road with Leonardo DiCaprio. I thought you meant that Tom Hanks movie you kept talking Uh, about. Road to Perdition. One day, one day we will do like a back to back Lone Wolf and Cub, then Road to Perdition episode. Because that's like kind of simultaneously the story. And then we'll just listen to Wu Tang, uh, <laughs> Liquid Swords, yeah. the entire time. <laughs> yeah, that's the sample that they use in that album. I have, we are all over the place with references today. That doesn't matter. But it is great. Follow us if you will. Every every reference that we are making is a plus. Anyways, um, but yeah, so that's kind of our catalyst with with the twins' birth in um, our last two events and and uh, kind of the state of being of Wanda. And I think, you know, what's so interesting about this is that they do, or Bendis does such a great job uh, painting a picture of Magneto, like framing Magneto as the one who, who really initiated this plan. Bendis is the writer. Brian Michael Bendis, yes. And the art is done by? Uh, a li- I, it's a French artist, I believe. It is a lot of ways to pronounce it. Oliver Copiel, Oliver Coipel. Olivier Coipel? I don't know. I really dig the art style. It's really um, – how do you like it compared to David Finch's Avengers Disassembled? Which that one I feel like was way more Americanized, bread and butter, solid. While – I mean while it may be different because he's a French artist, it still has the very distinct superhero feel to it. Yeah. Maybe a little less polished, but I like it like this. Yeah, it's very – um. I believe so, too. And you know, I, when I look at this art, I think that it, he did such a good job. He can build a world, you know, and I think you can really kind of see the world that he built come to life in his art style. Like, I don't know if I would cross over David Finch to do this event. You know what I mean? Why not? I, I don't know. I just think this style works better. And you got to see, and for the fans, too, go, go check out this guy's Thor art. It is ridiculous. Okay, I will. Okay, I will show you that later. I'll plug it later. Um, okay, so I guess going right into the event, into the, into the nitty-gritty. So Scarlet Witch builds a new reality, and she gives every X-Men Avengers character everything they've ever wanted. And that's like the status. So for Magneto, he wanted mutant kind to be the dominant force, which is honestly, Magneto's right. They should be. But... Um, I guess my first question for you is how did you feel about Logan being the one remembering the past? Well, first of all, I'm a huge Wolverine fan. Great. Like that was like one of my earliest, earliest introductions to comics was X-Men. Right. And then I was probably like, man, I must've been like 10 years old when that first like Wolverine run came out when he got his first like solo series. I must've been 10 or 11. Um, like, like, like the OG, like Frank Miller one. Yeah, the OG Frank with, Miller with the claws on the front, the yeah. orange cover. Okay. Yeah, I still have all those books too. Awesome. Um, like original, like I mean, first prints. Yeah, yeah, first prints. Yeah. Um, so him being the main protagonist, basically in this book, yeah, was like the driving force for me to read it so fast. I was like, oh, I love it. It's a, I mean, it's a Wolverine book more or less. To me, it was. Mm-hmm. So for him to actually get his memory back which for those that don't know logan's always been the guy that doesn't remember anything ever right so that's what he's always searching for is you know who he is so for him to get it back 
and then almost it almost seemed like he got it back and then he didn't want it almost yeah you know what i mean like he it didn't it wasn't like uh uh like it wasn't like a character change for for him like it was like he got what he wanted but it didn't matter in the scheme of yeah his you know character arc i, I feel like i think i think you know everyone got what they wanted but it's not how they wanted it you know like they didn't want a new world peter well i oh peter, no well peter parker's kind of thing for me like is a big one but it, well, <laughs> he didn't want a new world he just wanted his previous memories back you know I felt like if anybody, Peter was the one that wanted it. He got conflicted, but I feel like he wanted that world. He did. No, everyone, like, the, I think the House of Magnus idea and the House of M universe is, like, the principle is everyone got what they most wanted. So Captain Marvel wanted to be the most famous and most adored superhero. Um, Wolverine wanted his memories back. Peter, you know, he wanted his Uncle Ben and Gwen Stacy and, like, everyone to live happily ever after in that world. Um so I feel like everyone wanted those things. They wanted what they got, but not like that. Right. Like, like Luke Cage, you know. What was Luke? What was his? He like was he Kingpin. Got, he was Kingpin. Yeah, he was Kingpin. You know, like they made him a gangster. Yeah. And it, okay, I get my next question was, uh, what did you think about everyone? How did you feel about everyone's placement within this new reality? Well, I mean, if that's what Luke Cage always wanted, then why isn't he just the Kingpin of Hell's Kitchen? Like, Because Wilson Fisk is. Yeah, <laughs> I think frankly he's more interesting than Luke Cage being the guy because Luke Cage is kind of like a. Is Luke Cage an antihero? No, no. So the why do they why would they make him basically the kingpin of the ghetto? If that's what he always wanted, I don't know. Does he want to clean up Hell's Kitchen or does he want to run it? You know, hey, uh, for the people. Of I, you know, I think there's a strong argument for he wanted to be the man in control. Because if you think, I, I don't know if you ever finished the Luke Cage Netflix series. I but did not. That's where it ends. Is he's now, well, but for him, it's Harlem. He's the head honcho in Harlem. Mm. And, you know, well, Stephen Strange was a psychiatrist as opposed to being a, a surgeon or a doctor. So, like, how did you feel about, like, with the, the reasons? You know, Kitty Pride was a school teacher. Uh, Sam Wilson, the Falcon, was a detective. Were there any that stuck out that weren't right for you? How's that? Um, not really. I mean, that one that, you know, Luke Cage being like, he's not like he's the like slumlord or anything, but that one was, was whatever. Um, I thought that the Dr. Strange one was, was, was cool. Wait, what was Iron? Did they show Iron Man? I think he was just normal. He was just a normal dude. Oh, wait. No, he wasn't. Wait. He was still a millionaire because. I mean, and that's what I mean. Like, Wolverine he was goes regular, looking I for him. He's Tony Stark still, I mean. Like, rich guy Tony Stark. So, uh, Tony wanted nothing different. Well, you, I'm sure he He's already got it all. He wasn't quite Iron Man. I don't think he got kidnapped and, you know, became Iron Man. I think he was just billionaire, playboy, you know, weapons manufacturer Tony Stark. And so he never had that great tragedy. He never lost Ho Yinsen. He never got abducted. All that. Um, You know, the one that was cool also was... Captain America just being old. I was going to mention that. And that was one of my favorite ones. You and know, I, like, I love that they left him there like that, too. Yeah, like he never got frozen, right? He's just old. Yeah, he's 100 or whatever. Yeah. And they go to get him. They're like, we can't use him. He's old. Just let him be. Right? Yeah. So if everyone got what they wanted, where, what happened to Charles? I think I actually was rereading it to do the summary for this episode. And... um. Like, I, he just wants to be dead? Is he dead? He's not... I don't think he wants to be dead. I think they kind of just put him on a shelf. And I think the way Wanda built that reality is she got rid of Charles. She had to to make the, the mutant kind yeah. become dominant. dominant. And with him there, it couldn't happen. But he was not... Um, he wasn't in that grave. He wasn't in the grave. At, like, the the Magnus... House of M. House of oh well, that's maybe, what House that's of M stands for. Yeah. yeah, man. See some stuff I just don't pick up on until Cameron says, "Hey, dude, I've read it like three times." Guess now. what that giant mansion was that they were in? The House of M. I thought it was like a metaphor for like the house that Scarlet Witch built. I don't know, man. It's the House of Magnus, and you know it's weird because 
people think that his name was like Eric Magnus, like Magneto, but it's Eric Muncher. So I don't get it. But where the hell does Magnus come from? They like. There's been like other times where they change his name, and I don't know. It's comics. They do what they want. Exactly. Continuity is up for debate, pretty much. Yeah, I mean, I don't think they ever find Charles. No, um, guy, cloak, cloak guy. Yeah, cloak finds out the grave's empty. He says, but... "Yo, this thing's empty. There's not a body in it." But where's Charles? Bom, bom, bom. Who knows? You know, we don't know what happens to him in the House of M because I was just looking at it and it the world uh, explodes. And then they wake up and they're back and there's no more mutants. Or allegedly. Right. No, there's no more mutants. Well, there's several. I think it limits it to like 200 mutants, which frankly is kind of good because there's more than enough mutants in X-Men in continuity as is. So yeah, they'll always define like find new ones because like if you think about it, Bobby lost, Bobby Drake was really the only one who lost his powers, but Emma Frost had hers. <laughs> and Wolverine has his still. Okay, but no. Okay, hold on. Sorry, I didn't mean to interrupt you with the blubber blub right there. But the mutants that stuck around were the ones that were there in House of M world. Those are the ones that didn't get wiped. No, I think there's others. I don't know. I I never read X Men after this. I took it for everyone who was there and was able to get like protected by Emma and maybe Cloak or I don't remember what it was. And Layla. Yeah, they didn't get zapped. Everybody else got zapped. I think. Could be. I don't know. A lot a lot of these ramifications are open. like we read the event book itself. There's a lot of tie-ins that could probably paint a better picture of what happens, but uh we didn't read that. So the one question I had Going back to, like, everyone got what they want. So Logan Wolverine gets what he wants, which is his memory back. But he also is the leader of S.H.I.E.L.D. He's basically Nick Fury, which didn't make a lot of sense to me. He had his, like, own elite task force called the Red Guard. And that's who, you know, like, Mystique was doing and and Nightcrawler and Toad. That was his crew. Yeah. So what? What, like, that's what he's always wanted? I mean, he's got the X-Men. He's been the leader of Uncanny X- X-Force. Yeah. X-Force. He's obviously, I don't, he was never, like, the leader of the Avengers, but he's in the Avengers. Why did he all of a sudden want to be the leader of S.H.I.E.L.D.? I don't know. I don't know if the reasons for, like, what their desires were were so sound. I think sometimes you just, they had to make the story work. It worked. It was great. Yeah, it was great. And it was, you know what the best freaking scene was? Was him jumping off the building. I liked that that, that was him. You know what I mean? Yeah. Why was this eight issues instead of like a 12 issue run? Um, I don't know why or how they break up the numbers of series like they do. Cause you know, I've had six, seven, eight, 10. I thought it was always just like quarterly or like half a year or we're going to do a year run. Well, I guess eight issues would be three quarters of a year. It's pretty, I don't know, it just, you know, they they come out monthly. I didn't read this as it was coming out monthly, um, but it's, it's um, pretty, it's pretty good. So I really, I don't know, I, I don't know why they, they did the what they did, the reasoning they did, but. Look at me stumping camera over right. here. He <laughs> doesn't know everything. <laughs> I don't know everything. Um, uh, okay, uh, who was your favorite character as we read this? Guess. I think your that was a silly question. Your favorite character is Wolverine. Yes, it is. Yes. Oh my god. And I really enjoyed that. I got to. He was the protagonist the entire story. Yeah. Yeah. Basically, he was the way you told it to me earlier when we were just kind of like talking about it was like we spent the most time with him, and I think that's the right answer that he was because at the time this was being written, he was a member obviously of the X Men. And the new Avengers. Like, he was one of the top three in the new Avengers. And if we're talking about driving the plot forward and moving the story forward, he remember he's the one that remembers. Yeah. So he's the one that's got to go wake everybody else up, you know. And he was basically the, the main driving force behind getting out of the House of M world. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And so I think, yeah, he's, he's good. I, I don't know. Personally, I'm like, I was t- a lot of my opinions are like, okay, I could use less Batman, less less Superman. Less Wolverine. Less Wolverine in my Marvel. I'm just mm-hmm. kind of like, I get it. But um, I like him. When he's used well, he's used well. Like Sometimes I think they just give him too much 
power. Like him getting all his memories back, I think that makes the most sense. I think that is what he wants the most. Um, the whole scene and when when he's do, do going through the chase and when he's looking for Charles and I liked all of that. I thought it worked so well. And even <laughs> dude, he just hucked himself off the helicarrier. That was sick. And I was <laughs> like, sick. that is so cool. Yeah, like I'll heal. And it's like he remembers everything. And I'm like, what are you doing? Like what? Or like the way I think about Scarlet Witch. I'm like, you remember? He remembers everything. I'm like. He remembers everything. What the heck? He knows this isn't right. Yeah, um, pretty silly. Do I, 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 let me ask you this too, just because this is the way I feel. I feel like Wolverine's always been a, a fairly popular character, but it wasn't until like the X Men movies where he really got forced to the forefront of Marvel as like their. He was almost like he t- overtook Spider Man for a moment. Yeah, you know what I mean. Well, After those movies, yeah, After, I mean that's Hugh Jackman's fault. And it fault. It's um, totally his fault. Is Hugh Jackman Wolverine? No, Wolverine's like five foot four, dude. Hugh Jackman's six four. Is he? Yeah, I don't know. He's, I don't know. Big. He's a big beefcake. He's not five four. I don't know. Tom Cruise is like very short, apparently. So, but he, what yeah. are you saying? He should play Wolverine? No. No. <laughs> I'm just like I don't know. Maybe the camera makes him look taller. I don't know. They're shorter in person. You heard that? No, he's a big dude. But um, with. Like, I don't know, with Wolverine, I, I think you're right. I think, you know, the flagship title for Marvel in the 90s was X-Men. And C- Chris Claremont was doing, you know, you, you think just think about the Jim Lee X-Men era. Like, yeah, that's what... Huge. And I think that's was, what repelled them. It was Jim Lee and Rob Layfield yeah. doing those runs of X-Force and X-Men. And it was just s- super cool for the time. Yeah. Because I think they made it... I think those guys made it younger they, than it had been. Right? Yeah, absolutely. And At least that, for me as a kid during of that course. time. And that generation just changed comics forever. Yeah. Like, like you don't – like be, because of those X-Men books and, like, the taking off of Marvel in the 90s, that's why we have something like Image and, like, like uh, independent publishing houses and everything else. Like, that because of those creators. And so everything they were doing and, you know, those splash pages and those crazy, like, pat – pocket costumes like and you know everyone had like super huge guns and bishop and cable and law mm-hmm. like all that like absolutely you know and so uh I, yes i think ma- the movies helped and like i think the x-men brian singer like 2000 movie and then two x2 especially was awesome those movies kind of really brought comics to the public in a different way and it kind of made them more fallible and maybe now if you if you're watching in 2020, X Men number one, it doesn't hold up as well. It does not, but at the time, it exactly. was nail. Head, head, <laughs> they nailed, nailed it. The nail. <laughs> the head of the nail. Yeah, nail on the head. Deal, dude. You know what I'm saying. Yeah, everybody. So, they hit the nail on the head. Absolutely. Womp, so, womp, womp. <laughs> <laughs> and then we had like, uh, obviously now we have the MCU and we're so spoiled with all this content. And so, um, yeah, I think they did a good job there. And so. Wolverine, and I also think Wolverine's like the the infamous line from that miniseries that you have and you collected and read was like, "I'm the best at, I'm the best I, 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 oh, I am the best I am at what I do, and what I do isn't very nice." Mm-hmm. And it's like I think those kinds of moments, and you know, the Claremont, there's the first appearance of the, uh, oh my gosh, what's the Hellfire Club? Yeah. Those issues are my favorite Wolverine issues of all time because that's when he says it for the first time and, like, that's when he just takes – he's the last one standing and he takes out pretty much the entire Hellfire Club and it's crazy good. It's – if I remember correctly, it's, like, the entire issue of him fighting those guys. Guys, yeah. is that the issue where the cover is him standing on the pile of them? No. Yes. It is, right? Yeah. yeah. He's, like, fighting off yep. a pile of them because the issue before that – and it ends – and this is, like, pri- prime Claremont is when he – Pretty much, they, he takes out all of the X Men, and this is like right when Kitty Pride joins the team too. Like, lady, her her first appearance was like the issue before. They take out everyone. Wolverine is the last one standing, and he's crawling through the sewers. And the next issue is him freaking taking out all of them. Mm-hmm. It's crazy. It's so it's so good. That's like the, the very beginning of the Dark Phoenix saga and everything else. First appearance of Emma Frost, like all that. Now that I'm thinking about this book too, it was a. It was a super crossover book because it was the X Men and the New Avengers. Yeah, I mean, all the X Men are there. Yeah, yeah. I didn't I, as, as I was reading it, I never, I didn't even think like 
is this an Avengers book or is this an X-Men book? It's neither, really. I guess it's... It's both. It, 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 it's an event book. Sure. So, like, it, like the event is the story, but it's kind of like... And especially they'll do this with events. Like, it, it's called, like, X-Men Avengers House of M. What was Beast? What did he... What was what he wanted? He he wasn't uh, blue anymore. Uh, I don't remember. Yeah, he, he was a scientist guy. Yeah, yeah. Hank McCoy is just brilliant. But he still had monkey feet. That's cool. <laughs> <laughs> he, he, he's like my dream is still having the monkey feet. Yeah, he did. Was but... he like the original X Men version when he was just like kind of a big beefy gorilla looking dude without any yes, hair? Yes, but his feet were more gorilla ish. Because the hell is that? Do you hear that? Hangers. Oh, the hangers. Yeah, yeah. Um, you can edit that out. Yeah, we will. Uh, yeah, the beast. Um. Okay. Okay. Um, oh, wait. My and I never talked about my favorite character. My favorite character, and actually, I guess it'll go in my next question. My favorite moment of the entire thing, when Spider-Man. So they have Layla and Wolverine team up, and Spider-Man. Like they they get to Peter Parker, who actually is kind of a celebrity. He's revealed his identity, but he's with uh, Aunt May and uh, Uncle Ben. Uncle and Gwen. Ben, and he's married to Gwen Stacy, which makes the most sense. And he's got a little kid. He's got a little baby boy, and he he approaches. He sees everyone, and then you know it, they do the great sequence of Layla flashing her eyes with Emma Frost, and boom, he freaking loses it. And I thought that double splash page, all those moments they included were perfect. And then as soon as he sees Gwen, his brain flashes to pretty much her being dead on the Brooklyn bridge with goblin. And it's like, Oh my gosh, he goes up and another great Wolverine moment too. And I think they kind of nailed his character with this Wolverine and Peter, but you kind of realize how much tragedy that character has been through. Like, He's lost his Uncle Ben. He's lost Gwen Stacy. He can't quite have a family. His search for normalcy. Like, you just kind of realize every tragic thing that's ever happened to Peter Parker in that moment. And I think it's a very, like, whoa, so sad when he starts sobbing, like, ugly crying on the roof. And he's Mm -hmm. like, how could they have done this? And Peter, who in the past two stories has been the voice of reason... He's like, okay, so I can count on you guys to kill me. You know, thanks a lot. Yeah. Uh, that's the first time he's like, Logan, I'm going to kill them. His, yeah, meaning I'm going to kill Magneto. I'm killing Magneto. I'm killing his kids. His I'm killing all daughter. of them. Yeah, yeah. he's like, how, like, tell me this is Mysterio. Tell me this is a joke. And Logan even says in that, like, because it's a beautiful, like, splash page. Logan's like, yeah. He's like, I'm gonna kill him first. <laughs> like, it's like, what? It and was basically, it was basically like, you got to beat me to it. Exactly. And it was a good, you know, kind of like comparison of, you know, Peter's always the hero, right? And yeah. Wolverine will do what it takes to get the job done. Yes. And you know, Peter was saying like he's lost it. He's he's turned into what Wolverine almost is, right? Mm-hmm. And he admits that. And then Wolverine doesn't even let him have that moment. He's like, "You ain't gonna kill him first because I am." Yeah. But Peter is he takes it the hardest, even when they get back. I mean, the kids just he's like fully broken, and they show that even when he, uh, even when he when Doctor Strange comes in, and you know they said, "Oh, we fixed it." And Strange stumbles in and says, not quite. And Peter slams his fist on the table and breaks the table. Yeah. And Tony kind of walks over like, that's my table. And Luke Cage says, it's cool, man. You can buy another one. Yeah. But he's the the most distraught out of everyone in the book. Yeah. For sure. And like there's a beautiful moment too with, with – I think it was Beast. Maybe it was Beast or it was Tell Luke. Me the moment it was Luke Cage. It was Luke Cage, and it was when they're yeah. like getting ready for the battle, taking the helicarrier to uh, Genosha, and Peter says, or Luke Cage calls Jessica Jones, who his time at the time is his wife, mm-hmm. and she doesn't answer, and he kind of realizes why am I calling her? Um, and Peter wants to call Mary Jane, and he's like, you know, still so distraught about the whole thing, and Luke says to him, you know you are not the one keeping her from being successful. She's not more successful because you're not in her life. And it's like, oh my gosh, like, yeah, some of the event stuff is convoluted, but I think there are some moments in this book that Bendis just nailed. 
and I couldn't remember if it was that moment with Luke Cage or if it was a, a moment with Wolverine. There's a moment where one of those strong characters, I think, puts their arm around him and like hugs him. Mm-hmm. And just that alone, you know, showing one of the stronger characters, you know, feeling for what he's going through because they're all going through it. Yeah, you know? exactly. They're when... all, I mean, some of them obviously have it better than the other ones, but they're all pretty, pretty broken up. Okay, what was your favorite moment? I told you mine, and I just think a lot of those. There's a lot of favorite moments I have, but what was yours? Um, my favorite moment was when they finally tracked Magneto down, and they, you know, I think Cloak is warping them around. Maybe. Yeah, he is. You know, and there's three different teams. They find Magneto, and. Uh, I don't remember. He ends up pinned on the ground. Wolverine's on top of him. And uh, he goes to, like, move the fork with his mind. Oh, yes. Right? He can't move and it because he's lost his power. Because they snap back to reality. Snap and back then reality. the people mm-hmm. that remember right. go to Genosha, where Magneto is. Mm-hmm. And, you know, he's a broken shell of a man. Yeah, he's toast. He's toast. And he tries to move a fork. And then I'll let you go on. He can't. And uh, he Wolverine says, you can't manipulate metal anymore. Or something along those lines. Because everyone lost their mutant powers. Right. But then Wolverine says, I can. And he sticks his claws out. And he puts them just enough into Magneto's cheek that it looks like it might be drawing blood. And the way it's drawn is just you can feel his claws on Magneto's face. And I just I thought it was done. It was done really, really well. But that's also why I think that Magneto didn't know what was going on in that reality. And he wasn't, you know... For lack of a better term, he wasn't one of the woke ones, so he lost his powers. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah, see? Yep. That's a great – isn't that a great panel? Just yeah. this just this tiny little box right here where his claws are just enough, just yeah. barely puncturing his skins. Skins. I pulled up Skinny the page. skins. It's on issue eight. It's towards the very end of the book. And it's a beautiful – the whole book's beautiful. And I, I, I really like the way that he drew – uh, the X-Men's costumes like that's it's like the black Cyclops costume it's less blue like Cyclops is always blue right yeah this is like dark dark navy Wolverine's got his orange suit on orange yellow man I don't know colors <laughs> well there's the orange like orange brown suit yeah the orange too. brown suit he's got his classic X-Men yellow suit that usually has royal or navy but this one's like almost black and it looks yeah. super cool you know Beast looks great is drawn great Kitty's drawn great I mean uh uh, Colossus never looks different. No, I don't, has anyone ever drawn Colossus different? He no, always looks like that. I love Colossus. He's him and Kitty are my favorite X people. Really? Yep, hundred ten percent. Colossus. He is like the in honestly in a book with so much like really like moral relativism or like you know everyone's kind of an antihero and everyone's motivations are do, like blah, blah, blah. even you can't even trust Charles Xavier in the X Men. Scott is known for being a dick and like everyone else, but. He is the most morally upright and consistent character, which they kind of riff on in Deadpool 2. Of course. But I think – or Deadpool 1, whatever, in both. and In both of them, he for is, sure. I just think he's so morally sound. And, like, Kitty is very much the character that you see, like, grow up within the X-Men. Oh, yeah. I'm not questioning Kitty. Kitty's like, a great perfect. character. Yeah. But Cyclo- uh, Cyclops uh, – Colossus. Colossus is always just – you know, he's – he's. I get it. I get where you're, where you're coming from. He's, you're making him sound like Superman. He's very, I don't know. But it's funny, though, with this book, though, when they flip to, you know, the the alternate world that she has created, they put him in a field and they write him off. He's gone. He's in Moscow in the field. Well, that's what he wants. I I know, but that's a convenient way to get rid of him for the entire book. Now that I think about it, though, the comparison between Colossus and Superman is so real. Yeah, right. It is. And especially when you see him in that field. That was actually one of the first things I saw. He it was Clark Kent in the field farming. Yeah, literally. You know? You guys want a comparison for a DC story, Kingdom Come. But, you know, we'll it's almost as if 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 Clark Kent was put in the same situation and he had to get what he wanted, he would probably do that same thing. He'd probably be a farmer. Mm-hmm. Oh, dude. I, I, right? That's it. in Kingdom Come, he pretty much gives up being Superman. It's it's a very uh, not to spoil the book, but he, his his reality and feature that Clark chose for himself as he becomes an old man, he literally just farms and he just does all the manual labor himself and that's the life Clark doesn't necessarily want to be in Metropolis all the time. He is a boy from a farm, and he is just very quaint and kind. And so mm. you see that in Colossus. Quaint little Clark. 
He, yeah, but then he'll freaking rip off your face. Like, he <laughs> <and> you. <laughs> he'll throw the moon at you. Um, but okay, so last, uh, I guess, last couple questions. That was your favorite moment. I loved that moment. Wait, what? How did you feel about the kind of twist that they that happened with Pietro? Uh, yeah, Magneto being like you know framed for it. Everyone thinks Magneto did it, and you find out it was Pietro, which I'm like, oh, I loved it. I love, and you think about too. Wolverine is an Avenger and an X Men. Same thing with Quicksilver and Wanda. Like they were X Men and they were Avengers. And he's like, I don't want to lose my sister. And I think his reasoning is so correct. And Magneto's like, motorcycles. Yeah, welcome to PCH. Um, Magneto's like, what would you have me do? Like, what? I don't know if I think they're wrong. Like our daughter, or like my daughter, your sister is broken. And he's like, give them all what they want. You know, they can't be mad at you. Like nobody can. And even Jessica Drew is on the way there. Is like. You know, maybe we should just keep it this way. If we wanted mutants to stop being oppressed, maybe this is the right thing. And ugh, how'd you feel? I mean, the twist didn't. It wasn't like, oh my gosh, that's mind blowing. It was cool. Yeah. But it's just a guy protecting his sister, mm-hmm. so it's not that big of a like. You know, it's, it's him. not shocking. Yeah. It's not shocking. It was like the right thing to do for him. It mm-hmm. seemed like the right thing to do. But going back, we forgot to tell, talk about the the scene between Magneto. And Quicksilver when they're yelling at each other. And he's yeah. like, what What would you have me do? Like, And they're literally screaming at each other, like, you need to save her. And he's like, "What?" Do you, and he, I think he says it twice, like, what, do you, what would you have me do? And yeah. he yells it at him, what would you have me do? It, it, was a, it, it was cool, and I understood completely why you would do something like that to protect your, your family. Um, but it wasn't mind-blowing. It wasn't like, boom, okay. It was more mind-blowing that just the end of the book were just – Ends. That was too much of a just cut off for me. The book just stopped. Yeah. And that's why I asked you about the issues. I felt like they could have fit a couple more issues in there. Do they yeah. have to just end it like that, you know? Um, this story is part of a, a, a like a 10-year run that Brian Michael Bendis did on the Avengers. Uh, 10 years is a little much, but maybe like, I don't know, 5 to 7. Um, and it's a gr- I think it's a great event done. And so it's building up. This book ends kind of with the Phoenix force coming towards earth and that kind of sets up Avengers versus X-Men, but eh. what's I say about that? Oh my gosh. I didn't even realize that that's what that was. Yeah. It's uh. okay guys for what it's worth. It sh- it does. That's what the Phoenix force is right there. That thing flying towards earth. I didn't get I that. I believe so. Yeah. I mean, you know, you know, I don't know. I, I read that event. Honestly, this event is better. But this is a great event, but they're talking to Hank Pym, I think, on like the news. Right. Mm -hmm. And he's talking about the ramifications of what's going to happen now. that There's no mutants because they were like a main like power source, Mm -hmm. like the energy that they put off. Yeah. Isn't going to be there anymore. The, you know, someone like Storm, the weather patterns that she can create aren't going to be there anymore. So what are the ramifications going to be? I don't know how that ties into the Phoenix Force flying towards Earth. I don't even know what that means. That doesn't now that now I'm even more confused than I was <laughs> ten seconds ago. Um, it just means that like I don't know, it's attracted towards the Phoenix, and people are going to become possessed by the Phoenix Force, and the Avengers are going to try and stop it. And the X Men are like, "You can't stop it. Why are you showing interest in our world right now? You've always you've never been with us." And they they fight and la la la. That's really what happens. But it, it, that's not the only book that ends with the Phoenix. I feel like I've seen the Phoenix Force coming towards. Through the universe? What book is that? Frankly, like most of them. <laughs> All of them. Literally. Are, every single one of them. I'm like, I you want to talk about characters something. that can be shelved? I will shelve the Phoenix Force for X-Men. Right? It's always just flying through the universe at somebody. It's like, okay, now you're... The Phoenix Force is basically the fifth horseman of the apocalypse. Uh, Another thing that can be shelved. Anyways, I don't even read that much X-Men. I'm kind of like, eh, let's do something else. <laughs> but wait, so you were okay with Pietro and that and... Was I okay with him being like the the kind of the antagonist? He, he's, he is the antagonist, but he's not because his his reasoning behind it is completely understandable and fair. Yeah, yeah, no, and that ma- that that makes the best kind of antagonist, though. You know, yeah, most of them, most I think the best antagonists, and you can the perfect example is Magneto. What they're doing makes sense. You know what I mean, like what what their motivations are are clear. You know, Killmonger, for example, that's why I, a huge reason Black Panther the film was so successful is because you can empathize with the antagonist. 
you and I can argue about his character all day. Yeah. I love him. I thought he was great, but Cameron's like, he was so-so. I think my favorite, my favorite villain in the Marvel Universe is Baron Zemo from Civil War. That is not what you said last time. That's my number one favorite. Or Vulture. No, you said Vulture. Vulture's my favorite. See, no, now I, we're going to argue again. I think he said... Uh. You said Vulture for sure. Oh, I will tell you right now definitively, it is... I like Vulture a lot. I think Vulture is just as successful as um, Killmonger, but I think my my personal favorite is uh, Baron Zemo in Civil War. Speaking of, so excited for uh, Winter Soldier Falcon. Yeah, no, and that's great, and he, he'll be a great villain coming back into that one, and maybe he'll be more appreciated than he was when he was the villain. Everyone thought he was a weak villain because he wasn't used pro- Not that he wasn't used properly. I just think a lot of people overlooked what that was. Oh my gosh, it was so good. He listened to his family's voicemail and a great Black Panther moment. Anyways, actually, this is a great transition because yep. WandaVision. Bing, bing, WandaVision bing. is coming up and, you know, the trailer dropped a couple weeks ago and now we are here with House of M being what it is. How do you think House of M is going to flow and tie into something like WandaVision where the influence is kind of clear, but it's not so much? Oh, man. Before I read uh, House of M, I thought it was going to be a lot more clear. Like I was like, after reading House of M, I'm conflicted at how they're actually going to work it into a a film version of the event. I think that they're going to use the series – as kind of like a gateway into this whole st- storyline event. I don't know if they're going to cross it over with other books. You know, obviously I think that this, I think that the show is going to be her descent into losing her mind. Yeah. Yeah. They can't pack the entire story of house of him inside that show. Of course not. I don't think, I don't think it's, People want it to be like a clear cut, like, and I think I'm thinking of 14 things at once right now. Um, One thing at a time. People want, you sound like me. People want comic book movies to be like direct descendants of like the books. And I don't want that. And I think that's why Endgame was such a success is that there's no comic like it. You can't directly, you can take elements from these stories, but you can't port it over. Yeah. You, you can in a video game. Yeah. But into like a live action it would just be silly. And I think something like 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 this text is that or e- or even with the films is that like I I want to be surprised by the content I'm receiving. You know what I mean? Like like perfect example for Spider-Man Homecoming is Vulture being Liz Allen's dad. That's not comic book canon, but man, that was that was a great moment. Whoa, you know? Um surprise me. I'm okay with that. Yeah, sure it's not continuity, but it's great. I, I, they've done. That's why they've been so successful because they they take things that you know and you're familiar with, and then they flip them sideways. Yeah. So you're surprised. Yeah. So if you've read the books, you understand where their storytelling's coming from, but they're showing you a new version of it. I just think with this story, they're gonna show her descent, and I I really think that they're gonna take. I don't think that they're going to do an in-game 10-year run with it, no. but they can run this story for four or five years. Oh, yeah. I totally think they can. Um, what we're, what The news I've read and seen is that uh, Wanda is going to, obviously, even so, and you saw it in Endgame, she's mourning the loss of the Vision, Vision who was her significant other moderately. I don't know. If, it never felt like they were so fully in love. Well, they were together in Infinity War, so I guess he I'm wrong. He was just her sex robot. That was weird. (laughs) (laughs) Hey, man. You're not wrong. (laughs) You all all are thinking of it. I just said it. Spider-Man's like, hey, it's weird that you made a robot. (laughs) Right? You're not wrong, That's what Spidey said, too. He's like, you guys are all thinking of it. I just said it. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) What are you even doing here? I was just killing aliens five seconds ago. Yeah. (laughs) Literally. (laughs) Anyways. Uh, Great moment. She's mourning the loss of vision throughout the the last movie and i like i think going back to i think that brilliant quote that strange said in avengers disassembled is that imagination is not something that wanda can have she can create realities and so i think with her like brokenness and not to be like to to be someone mourning and experiencing loss she can use her powers to create another reality and i think she is she creates using kind of fun television stuff, and I think that's what they've alluded to, is she creates new realities based on stuff she's seen in, you know, 50s, 60s, 70s, 80s, 90s sitcoms, television realities. She does that, 
but it fractures the multiverse. Yeah, and they can. It, that's a good way to tell the story because they can do it episodically. How do you say yeah, that? Yeah, episodically? Yeah. Is that yeah, the word? Perfect. Bang. Dang. They can do it episodically. Like, you know, every episode can be her creating a new full reality. And I think that's what's happening. And I really. It. It has already been confirmed she is going to be in Doctor Strange, Multiverse of Madness. Mm-hmm. I think he is sliding into that. He's kind of picking up the pieces of the reality she broke. Right. And you know, now that I think of it too, and it might have gone over, or people might not have paid enough attention after the loss of Vision when they keep her in the like headquarters. Mm-hmm. And she's basically locked in a room. Mm-hmm. And people might have portrayed that as like, oh, she's just you know mourning. But the reality of it is they had to keep her there because if they didn't, she could have ripped the world in half. Yeah, absolutely. And I think – oh, you're right with like Civil War stuff. Was it Civil War? Yeah. Kept, oh, she was like, in a room because she blew up the building. And she's yeah. kind of out of control and she can't control her powers yep. and we've seen that too already. And we've obviously seen this in this text. These movies confused Look again. But you. again, they did it. I mean yeah. they showed it. They, they showed it in that small, tiny way. Absolutely. Um, and then I think we're going to get the, the series. I think it's going to reverse end. I think it's going it, to, as opposed to no more mutants, I think she's going to say mutants for the first time. That makes a lot of sense. And, because, you know, outside of, outside of the MCU, Disney has now the rights to Fox. And Fox owned the X-Men, and here we are now. So I think that... No way. See, even better, you, you just had you just end it on mutants? That's not Marvel's way of doing things. That's not their end credit, unless there's an end credit scene in the post, show. We don't know. But you would have to like you would for that to be like the hook to get people, you would have to introduce a mutant at the end, whether it's Wolverine or just the claws somehow. Uh, uh, give us any other mutant. Give me. I agree. I agree. Give 100%. me Colossus. <laughs> I agree because he, like we were talking about earlier, he's been done to death for the last twenty years. And he, Hugh Jackman's great. And just let that character breathe, man. Give me Nightcrawler. Give me. Um, we've already seen Nightcrawler. Yeah, but Nightcrawler's a great character. I mean, he's great. See him. Another, um, I don't know. Give me, give me a weird mutant. Give yeah, me what would be cipher. a what <laughs> would be no? What would be a weird mutant they can give you from that X Men world that w- is popular, but people would know. I want to say Deadpool, but no, no Gambit. Shove Deadpool. Yeah, we've been we oh we were owed a Gambit. We were movie. owed a Gambit movie. Gambit is cool. Or even honestly, give me another Mystique. Mystique is cool. Cool. <laughs> Jubilee. <laughs> yes, we didn't even really get quite a jubilee. Right, we didn't. And that's that's fun. All right, Jesse, we're at the last question now. Oh, what is it? What would you rate this this event book out of 10? And you've read event books. Um, Were we calling Disassembled an event book? Disassembled is an event book. Jesse, off the pod, has read Flash Rebirth. That's an event book. Oh, that was a great one, too. What did I rate Disassembled? I don't remember something in the Man, see, now people are going to go, look at you, dummy. You don't even remember your own rating. We recorded that over a month ago, so it's fine. Yeah, we did. That's that's some behind the scenes for you on the Camry so, comics. Don't hate me. Uh, I really like this book. I really am a Wolverine fan, obviously. I'm going to state that I was a Wolverine fan for like 30-some-odd years. Okay, so before we got popular, guys, just saying I would give it a 8.5. 8. 8.5. That's a good that's a good rating. Honestly, I'm going to go higher. I'll go Fine, it's a 9. Oh, dang. Okay. <laughs> you know, it's on it's 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 high. I because because I think, you know, while it was convoluted and there's some stuff that didn't work and as we ask more questions, we only get more confused, which is kind of a new world building book anyways. I think that I'd rate this on like like nine two like nine three the uh oh man i was just going on like fives like eight five nine five you know every five whatever you do russell your own thing. russell messes up my my rating scale because he'll always put a decimal and i'm like all right well i guess i gotta put a decimal yeah well you know i guess we were doing the rookie scale just like eight nine now we got to go eight point seven two yes you know what i liked about this book that i that was a problem with disassembled was the pacing was better yeah where disassembled hits you with like so much stuff 
in the front, this one was paced so much better. So I enjoyed this book better because I wasn't as confused on like the up front, like what is going on? Like, yeah. You know? So, yeah. And it was good. And it's kind of fun to read the events back to back. So you, it was pretty cohesive, you know, like you kind of based on what you read and disassembled, you, this kind of flowed really nicely. Oh, for sure. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. It made a lot of sense to me. Okay. Would you recommend this as a book to someone? How'd you feel about this as like, you know, they didn't read disassembled. How did you just feel about this on its own? Is it approachable? I don't – I feel like it's not. Yeah, same. I feel like it's not because as <laughs> we're disassembled, you might get it after you get past the initial shock. This one, if you don't know what she's going through, it, you're going to kind of just be like, I don't understand what's ha- happening. Honestly, I think I read this out of context. I might have been reading The Avengers Run. I could have been. But honestly, I think this is pretty approachable. Compared to a lot of other things, like I think this is more approachable than the entire X Men lore. Well, they don't. The X Men's there, which is cool, and the Avengers are there, which is cool. But it's not the Avengers that you know, and you. I don't. I'm just trying to see if they if they fleshed out, you know, what she's doing. I guess so. I, I suppose so. Um, I mean, not a new reader. You can't give this to a new comic. Not reader. like first comic. No, definitely not. But, but uh, someone who's familiar with the universe or the movies you know the mcu movies you can hand it to them and they can figure it out but not a new comic person yeah i agree Alrighty, well jesse thank you so much for joining us on camera reads comics today you're welcome we are so glad to have you always and three weeks in a row we did it buddy yeah i'm gonna give everybody a break <laughs> from having to listen to me now so i'll be back not i'll be back later not too long of a break he'll be back sooner than you think um okay in the meantime remember to follow cameron reads comics on instagram and just to catch up with me see what i'm doing also maybe leave me a five-star rating and review and finally stay tuned for next week with my buddy kyle rice going over green lantern rebirth it is about time we got into some dc stuff so we'll talk to you guys later